Okay, so we're up to Daf Chavav and Aleph. We're nine lines into the page. The last word in line is Tanya. Rishim Rishimbalaza Just like the distribution of Truma creates a, a Chazaka for Kahuna, meaning that if you see a person that they're giving Truma to, that's a Chazaka, that he's a Kayan, as we've discussed. So to Maiserishin is also a Chazaka for Kahuna. Meaning, if you see someone that receives Maiserishin, that's also a presumption that he's a Kayan. Now, the obvious problem is Maiserishin is given to Levian, not Kehanim. The Gemara is going to address that in a moment. Then the Gemara says something cryptic. And someone who receives Truma from the Bezdin is not a presumption of Kahuna. Also a problem, simply, the Pashup shot of what this means is that if Bezdin um, gives out Truma, and he's one of the people that receives it, it's not a presumption of him being a Kayin, which is obviously a problem, because why not? He's receiving Truma from a Bezdin. Why is that not a presumption of Kuna? The Gemara is going to address that in a moment. But before we get there, it said that receiving Maiserishon is a presumption for Kahunas. The Gemara asks, obviously, Maiserishon is a Levi who Maiserishon goes to Levium, not Kehanim. So the Gemara answers, Karvalazim and Azariah. It follows the opinion of Ravalazim and Azariah, who Ravalazim and Azariah feels that Maiserishon is given to Kehanim. So because Maiserishon is given to Kehanim and not Levium, therefore it's a presumption from Kahuna. How do I know this? Titania, Shumalakayan. The first opinion is Rabbi Kiva, which is what we're used to, which is Truma goes to a Kayan, Maiserishan Levi, Maiserishan goes to a Levi, Divir Rabbi Kiva. He says, Maiserishan Aflakayan, Maiserishan also goes to a Kayan. So because Maiserishan goes to a Kayan, if Maiserishan is given to a person, that's a presumption that he is a Kayan. Now here's the problem. The problem is, Amar Damar Ravalazman Azai Aflakayan. Here's the problem. Ravalosa's ben Azariah's shita is that Maiserishin can even be given to a Kayin. It doesn't have to exclusively be been given to a Levi. But according to Ravalosa's ben Azariah, it's both a Levi and a Kayin. So how could you say that it's a presumption for Kahuna? It's not a presumption for Kahuna. Ravalosa's ben Azariah extends it that not only does it have to be given to a Levi, it can even be given to a Kayin, but it can be given to both. It's not exclusively a Kayin. So how could you say that it's a presumption for Kahuna? Why is it a presumption for Kahuna? It's he holds that it could be given both to a levi and a kayan, so it shouldn't be a presumption for kahuna. So where is in? Bosit to Kansinan Ezra. The answer is of Elizabeth Azariah Sheet is like this. He holds that historically, midderaisa, the Maiser can be given to Levim or Kehanim. But after Ezra went up with the Jewish people to rebuild the second base of English and the Levim did not go with him. Ezra punished the Levium that it's not given to the Levium. So after Ezra's punishment, it was purely given to the Kehanim only. So because at that point it was only given to the Kehanim, it's a presumption for Kahuna. Before that point, it was to both, and it wasn't a presumption for Kahuna. Okay? Here's the problem. Dilma Ikru Here's the problem. The Mepharshim explain, even after Ezra's decree that it's supposed to be given to the Kayan, if you give it to a levy, it works. Meaning, maybe it's bidiyevet, but it's still, it's still, it's still your yo to the mitzvah. So how could you say that giving someone, seeing someone receive meiser is a presumption for kahuna, even after the decree of Ezra, there were levim that still got meiser rishon. Bidiyevet, it works. Anytime bidiyevet, it works. 
How could that be a presumption? If I see someone receiving Maiserishon, I can't know for sure that he's a Kayan. I can't testify in court that he's a Kayan. Why? He received Maiserishon. It's supposed to go to, Maiser, to a Kayan. Even if you believe it's supposed to go to a Kayan, according to Rosman Azariah, after the punishment of Ezra, after the decree of Ezra, if you gave it to a Levi, it works. So maybe get a Levium. And the owner is choosing to go with the Ebed. How, how, how do you know that it's a presumption for Kahuna? So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says like this, the Gemara says, um, just to review, the Gemara said that uh, if you see someone receive Meiser, it's presumption that he's a Kayan. It creates a chazaka. He's a kain. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? I thought Meiser goes to Levium, not Kehanim. So the Gemara says, it, follow Rav, it follows Rav Elazar ben Azariah's opinion that it's meant after Ezra decreed as a punishment for Levium, it's supposed to go to Kehanim only. Here's the problem. Even after the decree of Ezra, if you gave it to a Levi, it works. Bidyevet. So how do you see that if someone receives Meiser, it's a presumption that he's a kain. Maybe he's a Levi. And the and the owner is interested in doing but the evid. How, how do you how do you do that? How could that be a presumption? So the Gemara says you're right. What's the case where receiving meiser is a presumption that you're a kayan? Hachamayeskina. In the cases, the answer is really after the takana of Ezra. You were supposed to give the the meiser to Kehanim, but if you gave it to a Levi, it works. And therefore, if you see someone receiving meiser, it's not indicative that he's a kain. It could be he's a Levi. So why does it say, the Bryces say that if you receive meiser, it's presumption you're a kain. It's specifically talking about the following case. It's a case where someone we know is a kain. It's not a shy love whether he's a kain or not. We know he's a kain. But there's a rumor that his father married a woman that he wasn't supposed to marry, married a divorcee. So we know he's a kain. The shayla is, is he a cholo? If you see him receiving meiser, it's a presumption that he's kosher. When he said that it's a presumption that he's a kayan, it doesn't mean that if you see a random guy receiving meiser, he must be a kayan, because Levium also received meiser. It's specifically in a case where we know he's a kayan. It's not a Shiloh kayan Levi. We know he's a kayan. The Shiloh is whether he's a kosher kayan, and to that, if he receives meiser from Bezdin, Bezdin, you know, allows him to receive meiser, that's indicative that he's kosher, because if he was not a kosher kayan, he would never receive Meiser at all. So the answer is, We know that his father is a Kayan. But there is a, a rumor that he is a Chalom, meaning he has the status of a Yisrael. So it's not a Kayan Levi. It's for sure he's a Kayan. It's a Shiloh whether he's a Kosher Kayan. And people gave him Meiser at the granary publicly. So Levi, love Levi. There's no Shiloh. He can't be a Levi. What are the options? Whenever you see someone having Meiser, he could either be a Levi or a Kayan, according to Elizabeth Azari. He's definitely not a Levi. That, that, was, never on the, that was never on the options. The choice is he's a Kosher Kayan or he's a Puzzle Kayan. If he was a Puzzle Kayan, he wouldn't receive Meiser. It is a shayla of whether meiser is allowed to be eaten by Yisraelim, like myself. Now, if you hold that meiser is not allowed to be eaten by Yisrael, he's defi- they definitely would not give it to a chol, for sure. But the Gemara goes further, 
Even if you hold that a Yisrael could eat Meiser, they would only give Meiser to a Yisrael. What does it mean that even if you hold that a Yisrael could eat Meiser? It doesn't mean they would give me Meiser. It means I'm eating at my friend who's a Levi, and he happens to be eating Meiser, and I say, oh, can I have some? He would be allowed to give me according to some opinions. But no one would say that they would give a Yisrael Meiser publicly to be Yotza the Mitzvah. Nobody would do that. Therefore, the fact that they're giving this person publicly Meiser is indicative that he's kosher. It, so therefore, it's not that he's a Shiloh, whether he's a Kayin or a Levi. We know he's a Kayin. Shiloh, whether he's a kosher Kayin, the answer is he must be kosher. That's what the Gemara says. Okay. The Brisa then said a cryptic line, which is, HaChoylik Bebezdin Enoi Chazaka. That means, simply put, that if Bezdin gives out truma, it is not a presumption that you're a Kayan. Now the question is obvious. If Bezdin giving out truma is not a presumption of kahuna, then what is? You have Bezdin who's allocating truma, and they allocate it to this guy. How could that not be a presumption of kahuna? There's no greater presumption of kahuna than that. The answer is, What's the case? The answer is, the case is like this. The case is, um, you have a Kayan who's got, let's say, four kids from four different women. Okay? They're all his sons. They're all Kayanim. And after he passes away, the Bezdin is helping allocate the funds, you know, inheritance. One of the sons, there's a rumor circulating that he is not kosher for kahuna, meaning the mother was a divorcee, let's say. The question is, when it says Bezdin allocating is not a presumption, what it means is, if Bezdin has, there's a silo of truma that the father had, and Bezdin decides every kid gets 25%, that is not a presumption that he's a Kayan. The fact that every kid gets it, including him, is not necessarily a presumption of Kuna. It could be that he's actually a Chalal, and they're giving him the Truma, and he's meant to sell it. He's not meant to eat it. So when it says Bezdin giving out Truma is not a presumption of Kahuna, it doesn't mean Bezdin giving them to eat. It's specifically in this case where Bezdin is allocating the inheritance of a Kayan, and it goes to all the sons, and one of them is questionable of whether he's kosher, the fact that the Bezdin included him in the inheritance is not a presumption of Kuna, because perhaps he's not meant to eat it, he's meant to sell it. And, by the way, they couldn't, and then you'll ask yourself, well, if he's not going to eat it anyway, why not just give him couches and give him beds? Like, why give him truma? It could be there wasn't enough funds. you you got to make it work. You know, if every kid's supposed to get 25%, and there's not enough gold, and there's not enough cash... You, you have to use what the assets are. If he, if his number one asset was Truma, then Bezdin has no choice. The the, the the Rav who's in charge of the inheritance has no choice but to allocate some of the funds. So therefore, the Gemara says, That's what it means. So the fact that he's getting some of the inheritance, even if Bezdin signs off on it, is not a presumption that he's a Kayin. It could be that he's not a kosher kayin, and he's meant to sell it. So Gemara says, Pshita, yes, Pashit, okay, the fact that Bezdin gives you inheritance doesn't mean that they're signing off your kayin. The answer is, Ma'udah, 
Meaning, you might think that because, let's say, there are four sons, three of them are allowed to eat, and three of them are getting truma in order to eat. You might think all four of them are like that. Three are meant to eat, and one is meant to sell. Okay. The Mishnah then said like this. The Mishnah said, Rav Yudha Oymer, Ein Mayin Lukun Now, uh, let me just read you the Mishnah. Let me go back to read the Mishnah, just the, the flow of it. The Mishnah started off by saying that one witness um, could work to testify that you're a Kayin. It's a Tanakam. Then Rav Yehuda Oymer, Ein Mayin Lukun Then Rav Yudha says, No, we don't elevate a person to be a Kayin based on one witness. Rav is against it. Rav Lozer says, Rav Lozer says, no, we could establish based on one witness, and the only time we don't is when there are people that are uh, spreading rumors that he's not kosher. And then you have Rav Shimon Gamliel, Omer, Rav Shimon, Rav Shimon Ben Hasgan, Mailukun Apiedach. Rav Shimon Ben Hasgan says, we do, uh, we are Mailukun Apiedach. Meaning, so you have, you have within the last three opinions, Rav Shita is that we accept one witness to elevate him to be a Kayan unless there are rumors circulating that he's not going to be. If there are no rumors, we do accept one witness. Rav disagrees, and then the Mishnah ends off with Rav Shem Gamliel says we do accept one witness. Rav Shem Gamliel is the exact same opinion as Rav Lazar. They both accept one witness. So why is it repeating itself? So the Gemara says, Rav Shem Gamliel hides Rav Lazar. How is Rav Shem Gamliel different than Rav Lazar? They both agree that if there's no rumors circulating, we accept one witness to establish this person being a Kayan. So what is the area of dispute? So the Gemara says, Perhaps the machlokas between Rishim and Gamliel and Rav Lazar is how many people, meaning they both agree like this, they both seemingly hold two things. We accept one witness, fact number one, if there are rumors circulating, that he is not kosher for kuna, we do not accept one witness. That's fact number two. So now, so the, the, what's the difference between these two things? So the Gemara says, perhaps the difference is how many people we need to challenge him. Meaning, if there are rumors circulating, I mean, there are people, to, there's, a, there's a, a witness testifying that he's not good. When I say rumors, it includes, it culminates with witnesses testifying he's not a good Kohen. It's called error. Right? There are people that question the validity of him being a Kohen. They both agree that if there's an error, no good. If there is no error, one witness is enough. So what's the machlokas? The machlokas is how many people um, have to testify to create an error, a challenge. Error chad ikibenayu. Meaning, is one person enough, a single challenger? You have one guy get up in court and say, I don't think he's a Kohen. Is that enough? Perhaps that's the machlokas, meaning Rav Lozer, Savar Irachad, Rav Lozer accepts the challenge of one witness. If one witness gets up and says that he is challenging the validity of him being a Kayan, then one witness is not enough to establish him being a Kayan. And Rav Shimon Gamliel, Savar Irachad, and Rav Shimon Gamliel says, no, you need two people. So the machlokas is meaning they both agree one witness is enough. They both agree that if there's a challenge, then one witness is not enough. And the machlokas is how many people have to challenge. One opinion says one, one opinion says two. Here's the problem. Everybody agrees you need two witnesses to challenge whether a person's kosher for kahuna. So what's the machlokas between Rishim and Gamliel and Rav Lazar? So the Gemara says this case. It's a complicated case. It's not complicated, it's just like, it's a lot of like, 
steps. I, it's it's interesting that this is what happened. So Gemara says like this. Okay. The Gemara says, here's the following case, and this is the Machlokas. Hachamayaskina, the following case. We have a guy, John. We know that John's father was a kain. We know it. It's a chazaka that John's father was a kain. And then a rumor emerged to Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza that, that John's father married a Grusha and John is not kosher. So we know John's father was Cohen. So we're not trying to establish that. The question is is John a kosher Cohen? Rumor has it that John is not kosher. So, Achdinu, because the, there was a rumor, the Bezdin demoted him and said, you are not allowed to actively act as a kain. So he was demoted. No birches kohanim, no first aliyah, until we clarify you're demoted. Okay, so he is currently demoted. Then, one single witness comes forward, he says, I know that he's a kosher kohen. So now he is uh, um, promoted, right? So he was demoted. Now he's, go to the next page, Askinu. Now they promoted him. So he's been demoted and then promoted. Okay. Also betray. Then two witnesses come forward. And say he's not kosher. Achdinu demoted again. Okay. This is his second demotion. And then another single witness come forward. I know that he's kosher. So this is a second single witness that comes forward. We had a single witness before. So he was demoted because of the rumor. Single witness comes forward and says he's kosher, promoted. Two witnesses come forward and say he's not kosher, demoted. One witness comes forward and says kosher. The question is, now what do we do? Do we promote him a second time? Now, to do that, you would have to make two decisions. First of all, you'd have to accept two single witnesses who don't testify at the same time, right? There are two witnesses who said that he's not kosher. In order for us to promote him, you would need two things to happen. First of all, we would have to combine the witnesses, the single witness, or you have a single witness. Again, he was demoted because of a rumor. Single witness, Avram testifies about him last year. Promoted. Two witnesses come forward, say he's not kosher. Demoted. A single witness comes forward today and says he's kosher. In order for us to promote him, we have to accept two things. First of all, we have to combine the witnesses' testimony, the single witnesses, so that it's two against two. We have to look at those two singular witnesses as one unit, which is itself a chiddush. And number two, we'd have to be willing to promote him a second time and not worry about the optics of it. You see, it's a little bit embarrassing. Every time you promote him, it's not a great look for the Bezdin that demoted him. He's been demoted twice by, let's say, a chash of a Bezdin. Every time you promote him, it's kind of embarrassing. So you have to, in order to promote him, you have to do two things. You have to be willing to combine the singular witnesses to make them like one witness of two, even though they didn't testify at the same time, but they're testifying about the same thing. So that's not so crazy. And number two, you'd have to not worry about optics. It is a little bit of like a, you know, imagine if you're sitting here and you're like, he was promoted again after being demoted twice. All right, just let me know. Like, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit of a, like a joke. You'd have to not care. So the Gemara says like this, the Kuli Alma, 
So we're trying to explain what's the machlokas between Rav Loza and Rosh Hashem So the Gemara says it's this case. So therefore, to Kuli Ahmed Saf latest, both Rav Loza and Rosh Hashem agree to the first part that they would combine the singular witness. That doesn't bother them. That you have the one witness who testifies he's kosher a year ago, and the one witness who testifies he's kosher today, both Rav Loza and Rosh Hashem would combine the testimony to make it two against two to potentially promote him. The machlokas is, are we worried about the optics of promoting him again? Over here we're worried about, the machlokas is, are we concerned for the disgrace of Bezdin? By promoting him again, will it make people think that Bezdin is a joke? Tanakama Sava Ravalazar holds Kivan Dachdinu. Once you demote him a second time, you can't promote him again. Once you demoted him and saying that he's not kosher, that's it. You can't. It's it's going to be too much of a mockery. Chashin lezulusi bebezdin because we're afraid of bezdin's honor. No, that same bezdin that demoted them can promote him. What do I care? I'm not worried about disgrace. I gotta get, get it, I gotta go with what's true. So everyone agrees that we would combine the machlokas. Is are we worried about promoting him? Not mitzad, combining the edus mitzad. Are we worried that it's a bad optic for bezdin? That's the gemara says. Maskev or Ravashi says, wait a minute. Okay, so you're telling me this is one of those where. I'm just going to repeat what I just said very quickly, and you'll see what could be the problem. What's the machlokas of Shemuelian Revelazar? The machlokas is: Are we worried about the honor of Bezdin? Okay, fair. What's the case? There's a rumor about a guy. We prom- we demote him from being a kain. Two witnesses come forward. I'm sorry. One witness comes forward and says that he's kosher. Promotion. Two witnesses come forward and say he's not kosher. Demotion. One witness comes forward and says he's kosher. Do we promote him one more time and combine? The question is like this, if it has nothing to do with combining Eidos, meaning everyone agrees that we would do that, the Shaila is, are we worried about Bezdin's honor? Then why does it have to be one witness? You see, when you have the added little, like, nature, the added little wrinkle or hiccup, that it's one witness, and then two witnesses, and then one witness, and I mentioned to you before, I said in order to promote him, you have to do two things, you have to be willing to combine the testimony of the singular witnesses a year apart, and you have to not worry about Bezdin's honor. If all I care about, if the whole Shaila is, do we care about Bezdin's honor, why does it have to have the added wrinkle of a single witness? Why couldn't it be two? Two witnesses says that he's puzzled. I mean, he was demoted. Two witnesses says that he's kosher. Promoted. Two more witnesses says that he's puzzled. Demoted. Then two more witnesses. I mean, why does it have to be, why do you have to add the wrinkle? If all your, the whole Shiloh is not about combining Eidos. The whole Shaila is, are we honor, worried about Bezdin's honor, Bezdin's coven, by demoting and promoting, then why do you need two Eidim? Why does it have to be a single aid? The Gemara says, Then why can't they argue in a case of two, two witnesses? Meaning, you have a case where a person's demoted because of uh, a rumor then two witnesses come forward and said that he's promoted, and two witnesses come forward and say he's demoted, and two witnesses come forward. Well, the exact same halacha could be with two witnesses. So why does it have to be one witness? Yeah. The w- number of witnesses is irrelevant. So why do you keep on mentioning the single witness? Why are you doing that? So it says Ravashi, you know what? 
Everyone, the answer is the Machlokas is not about Bezin's honor. The Machlokas is, do we combine singular witnesses a year apart? That's the Machlokas. So the Machlokas is the case that we mentioned before, and the real Shaila is not whether about Bezin's honor. The, the Shaila is, you have two witnesses that say that he's puzzled, and you have a single witness a year ago and a single witness today that says that he's kosher. Do we combine them together? That's the Machlokas. The Machlokas is, are the two witnesses, are, do we combine the two witnesses uh, oh, as the following Machlekes Tanoim uh, comes up, the Tanya, the Braisa says two Machlekes, and the second one is relevant for us. The Braisa says, First of all, uh, the Tanakama says we do not combine Eidus unless they both testify about the same event. Meaning, one person, let's say an example, one testifies that he saw alone. The other testifies that he didn't see the loan, but he heard about the loan. We do not combine those those edus. So you have you have Avram and Yitzchak. Avram testifies that he saw a loan. Yitzchak testifies he never saw the loan, but he heard them talking about the loan. You do not combine that because they're not technically testifying about the same thing. They might be testifying about the same conclusion, but they're not testifying about the exact same action. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha disagrees. He says, no, 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 that's enough. They're both combining. You could combine them together. Fine. Then the second machlokas is what we're talking about, and that is, do you combine singular witnesses that don't testify at the same time, but they're testifying about the same thing? The Tanakhama then says, you do not combine edus, meaning, if you have a singular witness, like our case, a singular witness says that he's kosher for kahuna in May, and then a singular witness comes up in December and says he's kosher for kahuna, we don't combine them together because they're not testifying at the same time. Rav Nassan Omer, Shomer Dvarv Rav Nassan says, no, you listen to his words today, and then you listen to his words tomorrow, and you put them together. Okay? Fine. So that's the machlokas, the tuner of Oz of Shem Gamliel, is do we combine singular witnesses? Okay, now we're going to go a little bit weiter. I'm not going to go that much further. I'm going to mention the Mishnah. I like a certain, it sounds like whatever, I like. I, I, I'm i going to go with a certain sheet of the Rishonim. I think it's the majority of Rishonim. It's not Rashi's Pshat. I'll mention Rashi's Pshat, but I think we'll all naturally have the same problem understanding Rashi's Pshat. Not the problem in Rashi's Pshat, the problem is with us, but the same problem understanding Rashi's Pshat. And that is like this. We know that when a woman, uh, if a woman, a married woman is attacked and raped, so if she's married to a Kayan, she can't stay with him. If she's married to Yisrael, she could. The only time it's a problem if she's married to Yisrael is if she did it willingly. Adultery. The Mishnah says like this, You have a woman, a married woman, who was captured by Goyim. So the question is, do we assume that she was touched by them? So the Mishnah says, it depends. If she was ransomed for money, she's allowed to be with her husband, because we don't assume that they would touch her, because they know that if they, if they, if they, if they attack her, they may not get their money back. If the husband finds out, or if the people find out that she was touched, you see, when when you're captured for ransom, you're sort of you gotta you gotta return the product, and you gotta make sure that that everyone's happy. So they they won't touch her if it's just money. but if she was captured for life and death, meaning uh, capital crime, 
I guess she was sentenced to death. So she was sentenced to death and they captured her in order to censor her to death. Then the halacha is Asur Labayla, she's also to her husband because we assume, even if they release her, we assume that they attacked her. Now here's the question. Why is she also to her husband? Even if they attacked her, it's rape. So Rashi says we're afraid that if she was attacked so often, she might have consented to it. Obviously, that's very difficult practically for us to wrap our brain around that someone would consent to this. Uh, therefore, most Rishonim disagree. And they say no one would consent, even if it happens often, no one would consent to, to terror. And therefore, they say it's talking about where she's the wife of a Kayan. And it doesn't matter of consent, even if it's Oynes, uh, the marriage is off. Therefore, the machleik, the Shaila is, do we assume that she was attacked? If she was attacked, if she was married to a Yisrael, then she's mutter. If she's married to a Kayin, so if it's for life and death, we assume she was attacked, and therefore she's also for her husband. If it was for money, then she's mutter for her husband. But if she was captured, if she was captured for ransom, for money, we assume that she wasn't touched. Says the Gemara, we'll start with this, we'll do a little bit, and then we'll stop. Says the Gemara, Amr Shumbari that if a woman is captured for monetary concepts, for ransom and the like, that we assume that she was not touched. That's only true. When the Jewish people are in charge of the land of Israel. Meaning, where the capturers, ransomers know that if they touch her, their crime is a lot worse. So when the Jewish people are in charge like current day Israel, or whatever, conceptually, where the Jewish people are in charge, so the ransomers know, if we touch her, then, then it's, it's, it's not going to be good for us. That itself adds a fear level, and it'll stop them. But if, the, if, it's, if it's like a, a lawless place where the Goyim are in charge of themselves, then... I feel like they mum in that even for money it's a problem because they're gonna they're gonna attack her. They don't care. They're gonna they don't care. They're, they'll attack her the same as if it's ransom or if it's money. They don't they don't care. Okay. So that's the halach. It only applies. This whole Mishnah only applies when the Jewish people are in charge. Okay. By the way, they're still willing to kidnap people. They're just not willing. I mean, they're not that afraid. They're willing to kidnap. They're just not willing to touch a woman that they kidnapped for money. Okay. Now, so we're saying that this halacha only applies when the Jewish people are, are in charge. When the Jewish people are not in charge, all areas of kidnap, we assume that they were violated. Here's the kasha. We'll do the kasha, and we'll stop and do it tomorrow. We'll start it at least. We may not even get through it. We'll see. Masiv Rav, Rav Asakasha. This is from a mission idius. Heyed Rav Yosi Akayin, Rav Zechariah ben Akotzev, Abbas Yisrael. Rav Yosi ben Akayin, Rav Zechariah ben Akotzev testified about a certain woman, Shohurhan of Ashkelon, that she was taken as collateral in Ashkelon. Dear God. They made a Jewish woman, a married woman, as collateral, and then of course they couldn't pay. So she was she was taken as ransom. Verichuhu b'nei mishpachta. And the family distanced themselves from her because they assume they assumed that they touched her. They assumed that she was violated. I guess she was the wife of a Koyan. But witnesses. 
Now these are the same witnesses that set her up for uh, collateral. The witnesses testified that she wasn't secluded and she was never touched, meaning they, they can testify that she's pure. So the question is, do we accept that testimony? The halach is, and Chazal said to her, and Chazal said to them, if you believe that she was pledged, meaning, you have to accept the same witnesses, because it's the same witnesses that pledged her, we accept the testimony. Meaning, the halacha is that we assume that she was not touched. Now, here's the problem. Yeah, so, so here's the shaila. You're telling me, so basically we have witnesses that testify that she was not touched, and we're going to accept those witnesses, even though Rashi and Mepharshim explained these were not kosher witnesses. These were family members or women or slaves. But we accept the testimony. But here's the Shailoha. Ashkelon at that time was run by Goyim. And it sounds like it's only okay because she was pledged. But if she was imprisoned, then it would be a problem. Now what we're going to do is like this. We're going to stop here. What I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to review this case and review the kasha. I just don't want to go into it because it's going to take us mamish into the next Ahmed too far. So we'll, we'll, we'll stop here and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Recording stopped. Sure.